When I hear the bees buzzing and our guitars strumming, I know it must be business buzz. Hi, I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host today. I'm glad you have time to spend listening to a little business news, a little information, a little opinion, and sometimes, oh, a little stuff that some people might think is kind of out there, but I I enjoy it. It's my, a lot of these things are kind of my hobby when I'm not doing my business, which is pretty much constant these days. I Today, I got back to the office in plenty of time to get kind of ready for the radio show. I always like to print out some good articles to look at, some topics to read to you. And I'll tell you, I got there with 45 minutes to spare, but I certainly didn't have 45 minutes because when you have a large base of clients, no matter how well organized you are, things happen and you just can't predict them. You'll just come into work and it's like, oh, this person needs some help. I'll give you a good example today. I got back in about, oh, I don't know, two o'clock. I try to leave for this show by quarter till. I found a secret faster way to get here to avoid traffic, but I'm not going to share it or else it'll become full of traffic. Put it this way, East First Avenue is not my favorite street between 2 and 4 p.m. I have found an alternative to that, but I'm not going to share it with you today, maybe later. So I get back to work. Now, this is the type of thing that you get when when you're a tax office, when you are trying to be full service and you really want to treat every client as if they're your only client, which is sort of the way I try to be. It's hard to stretch yourself that thin sometimes. I come back to work today and one of the messages is I have a new client who was trying to do a home refinance. This client, we worked together in March. I put together a preliminary tax return. There was a balance due on the taxes. The client couldn't pay all those taxes, so we we did an extension. They paid what they could. And to make a long story short, their lender talked to the client today and said, oh, and we need those taxes filed, and you have to have all the tax completely paid before we can sign off on this loan. This is the type of thing that a tax office gets And I was just sharing this with you so you would understand how this works when you do a lot of income taxes. Even though it's after April 15, it's the almost summertime. But these kind of things come up. There's no way I was not going to take care of this client today and get this situation at least under control. Let them know what my opinion is, how they should handle this, that, and the other. What I'm trying to say is I spent 20 minutes of my 40-minute period that I was going to prep for the radio show, but when a client calls with a special problem, I try to treat all clients as if they're my only client. So I, I do the best I can to put everything else aside and just take care of them. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that's the way my office works. So Whenever I realize that I'm running, you know, I'm, I'm not a young man, I'm not an old man, but I've been around for a while. When I think about it, I think to myself, Harold, you've been doing this business so long, it should be 
every day should be like clockwork. You should tell people, hey, I'll get back to you next week. Your emergency is not a cause for my distress, those kind of things. But really, when a client comes up with a problem that they do need help with right away, I do my best to make sure that that client is treated as if they're my only client. And sometimes I succeed. I won't say I succeed 100% of the time, but at least I do try. And if I can put something else off for 20 minutes, I will help that client. And it's just part of the nature of being in a service business. What, when I think about it, what else can I really offer? I have 38 years of tax work expertise and experience, but so do a lot of other guys. What can I offer in a service business that's going to set me apart from the other guys and to make people glad that they came to see me instead of someone else who might know as much about the tax law as me? There might be some areas people are actually better at than I am. There's probably areas that I'm a lot better at than most of the other people, but nobody's 100% on everything. When you have a service business, you're selling your service. So I try to make sure the service is is top-notch. But I just sort of got done running around for this last 45 minutes, and I just wanted to share the fact that when a client calls, you got to take care of them. That's why you have clients, and that's why you get referrals. This radio show is really a pleasure to do. I really enjoy being able to talk about topics. I really love being able to interview business people from the local area. It's really the only outreach I do that is could be considered like advertising. My main source of new clients is always referrals. And when you've been in the business this long, that is where you're going to get your new business from. So whenever I give real good service like I did today for somebody who had a problem come up, I know that it's going to pay off in the long run because when the time comes, they're going to refer me to their friends and family, and that's what it's all about. Moving along, last time I talked about some local business news, one of the articles that I was talking about last time was about the cell towers being put up near the old water tanks and uh, Cedar and West 3rd. And the reason I brought that up today is that on June 8th, which is last week sometime, it was actually on Friday, the cell tower gets the go-ahead. So the Chico cell towers are going up. There is some controversy of whether cell towers are good for people's health in general, but there are a lot of them. I have heard some bad things about this thing called 5G that's supposed to come out fairly soon. I won't go into detail because to tell you the truth, I'm not an expert. I've read a little bit, but I haven't really studied it. I wouldn't want to come off acting like an expert on something that I've just read a little bit of articles on. If you're interested, though, you could research a little bit on the internet and look up 5G problems, and you'll be able to read a lot of things about what people are saying is not good about the new 5G network that's being planned. I'm not sure this cell tower has anything to do with 5G. My main point on this cell tower discussion, 
there was one dissenting vote in a 5-1 decision asking them the more for more commission involvement in approving the equipment. That was Commissioner Lupita Aram Law. Commissioners were concerned over the look of the monopine. Now, I haven't seen this one at Cedar and Third. I just haven't looked for it. If it's already up, I don't know. Um, probably not up yet. I have noticed these probably for the last 10 or 15 years. I've noticed them first on the way to Roseville. I remember seeing these weird-looking trees, and what they are is they look like giant artificial Christmas trees, but you can tell they're hiding cell phone pieces in the upper limbs because all the limbs go out horizontally, obviously, to look like a tree. But then toward the top, you have these row, uh, circle of limbs that are vertical. So you know these vertical limbs are not natural. And I always thought it was kind of funny when I saw the first one of these. And I think I remember seeing one in Fairfield way back when. And they're a lot more common now. Obviously, people like the city of Chico are going to be more amenable to allowing a cell phone tower to be put up in a public place when it looks like a tree as opposed to when it looks like a metal structure with microwave dishes going out of it. My main thought and the main reason I bring this up is that I'm trying, and I don't have time to do this kind of research. If anybody else wanted to, I think it would be a fascinating story. The research would be something like this. How many large businesses have been turned down for anything in Butte County. I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying I'm correct on this, but I just wonder how many large businesses get turned down. I remember there was a controversy about cell towers going up at the five-mile baseball recreation area around um, Doryland Field there where the American Legion plays baseball. I do also remember how, oh boy, that got approved. There might have been a little bit of public comment, but it got approved. The other one that comes to mind, when the Union 76 station on the PV East Avenue station that's next door to a subway, and then there's a convenience store for the gas station, that gas station went up and was pumping gas, and within about a month of that station or maybe it was a few months. To be honest, I just don't remember. It's been quite a while. Within a short period, I'll put it that way, after the Union 76 station went in, one block away pops up a Safeway giant discount gas station. I remember talking to someone who was involved in the start of the Union station, and I remember hearing some chatter that it was a shock when Safeway got the zoning changed to fit in a discount giant gas station in a residential area one block from another station. I was a little bit shocked myself because according to what I heard, and like I say, I have not done the research. Don't quote me on all this. I may be off base. I do think if I had the time, I would do a research and my project would be how many large businesses have ever been turned down from Butte County? Could you imagine being a businessman who just invested in a gas station in a rural area, probably getting all kinds of crazy permits and going through hoops to get it approved 
right across the street from a public high school. And next thing you know, a couple months later, a giant discount gas goes in one block from your station that had been somehow rezoned recently. If that's the way this story works out, I would have been kind of depressed. But my point is, how many really get turned down? Maybe there's a lot. I have no idea. The other alternative to that is a job-creating business. For instance, if Tesla, one of my other favorite companies, as you know, if they had have come in and offered to build a warehouse for a 1,000 new jobs, that would be one thing. But an existing store getting a permit for a gas station? Safeway had already been there for years. I thought that was a little bit strange. The other Safeway story I remember, they got slapped on the wrist for, let me try to remember this. Okay. They were mailing mailers to the owners of all the vehicles that they took pictures of the license plates in Rayleigh's parking lot. The reason they got slapped on the wrist is I don't believe it's illegal to go around jotting down license plates and then maybe I'm not sure what you could do with that. It turned out that Safeway had an insider. Now, this is from what I recall from a news story. Safeway had gotten in trouble because they had an insider at DMV translating those license plates into physical addresses. If you remember, ever since the stalking shooting back in Hollywood, maybe 20 years ago, I can't remember the name of the actress, some crazy guy got the license plate of an actress he had a crush on, and he legally somehow got her address through DMV, and he went and stalked her, and he, I think he ended up shooting her. And the law that came out of that was that the DMV records are not public. You can't take a driver's lot. You can't take a license plate in from someone you see that you might want to ask out on a date and go get their physical address from DMV. Speaking of that, if any of you are old enough to remember when I was a kid, the registration of your car, and we're coming up on break number one, so I may have to get back to this at the end of the break. Do you remember the old days with those coily wire attachments of registration with your address that had to be attached visibly to the steering column in your car so the police could see who you were when you were parked and you weren't in the car? That is the way it used to be. So you could theoretically see somebody you'd like to get to know and you could watch them leave their car to go to the store and you could walk up to their car and jot down their physical address on their registration. It was legally required to be attached to your steering column, I believe, in plain sight. Obviously, that has been gone for a long time, but I remember that when I was young. That whole stalking incident made it to where it was not legal, but somehow a grocery store was going to a competitor's grocery store parking lot, getting all of the addresses of the competitor's customers and doing a mailer. And this wasn't more than 10 or 15 years ago. And I'm, I'd hate to be wrong and get a slander suit, but I believe it was Safeway that was doing that. Well, here's that first break that I promised you. 
I'll come back. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Butte County business. And I look forward to seeing you on the other side of the break. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Hi, this is James McDonald from Walk in the Word. Hey, it's always great to hear that a new station partner has come on board. If you've heard our broadcast, then you know I'm passionate about sharing the truth of God's Word. To get fired up about your relationship with Christ, join me each weekday on Walk in the Word. And be sure to check out all the resources available to help you grow strong in the Lord. Just go to our website, walkintheword.com. Join us for Walk in the Word weeknights at 6 p.m. here on KKXX. Powell Roofing and Chico is taking time out to honor the American heroes who have made this country what it is. From the men and women who've served and are serving now in our military to our law enforcement and first responders, we salute you. That's courtesy of Powell Roofing, your complete roofing contractor serving Butte County and surrounding areas with a reputation for honesty and integrity. For an estimate, whether commercial, residential, or industrial, call 530-354-5318. That's 530-354-5318. Where the Powell family and staff are proud to say it's USA all the way. How are you going to get to the Sacramento airport? Use North Valley Shuttle. It's easy online at northvalleyshuttle.com. Don't be that person who bugs their friends or family to take you. Book online right now at northvalleyshuttle.com. North Valley Shuttle has added new departure and arrival times each week for your convenience. Serving Chico, Paradise, Oroville, Gridley, Live Oak, and Yuba City, Marysville. North Valley Shuttle gets you there quickly and safely. Leave the car at home and let northvalleyshuttle.com do the driving. License PSC 20791. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Very glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me. I try to keep you informed. I try to keep you safe. And I try to make sure you watch out. Because you never know what's coming next in the world of business, money, money creation, you name it. I know these themes are getting hammered home to you over and over, but I'm sorry, that's that's my job. So one more point about the uh, wish that I had time to research things like how many large businesses have been turned down around here. And I'm not saying large businesses are bad, but some of them are. I just also heard a thing this morning, and this really shocks me. I believe the, now one thing you might notice, if you've been paying attention to mainstream news, there's been some suicides lately, some celebrity suicides. I won't get into all those details because this is a business show, not a political commentary show. But the business of who is going to run for president, one of the there's another thing, along with suicides lately, there's a very, very large amount of resignations. If you look around the business world, you'll see more big CEO resignations lately than there's been in a long, long time. I won't get into why I think that is. If you want to do some research, I can lead you to some good internet-type research places you can listen to. But to make a long story short, things are changing 
and a lot of business CEOs are saying, uh, it's time for me to get out of here. One of the ones that is a recent, I believe either a recent resignation or an upcoming soon resignation is the CEO of Starbucks Coffee. If that guy runs for president, it's like, whoa. You know, I, I mean, just because Donald Trump won, that doesn't mean that every businessman is going to qualify to be a president. But, you know, if you're a multi-billionaire, you could afford to run. It's going to make it interesting in the future of these politics to see. And here's my contention. If and when we have whole new type candidates like that, in other words, non-politician candidates, now that they know that a non-politician can win, it's really going to be interesting to me to see if they can pull the, what's the Abraham Lincoln? You can fool some of the people all the time and all of the people some of the time. It's going to be interesting to see which people can cover up their, see which people can cover up their true beliefs to try to win a, an election, put it that way. What I did come across today, I've been doing some cleanup, and I came across a summary of a speech that I gave a couple of years ago at Chico State, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was a speech during a meeting of the Entrepreneurs Club, which is a group of business students at Chico State. They have a whole major there in the business department called entrepreneurship. They had a meeting of the Entrepreneurs Club and they invited five or six speakers to give a talk, kind of like a TED Talk idea. I believe the time of the talk was going to be 18 minutes, like a TED Talk. Uh, it's been a while. It's still on YouTube. I've got to kind of find that link and, and see if I can take a look at that sometime. But So I was invited to talk. I really enjoyed it. And the theme of my talk was kind of what I've been talking to you guys about quite a bit. But I found my note, my index card that had my main notes of this speech. And I thought, well, that would be interesting to just maybe go back through this and see. Number one, I'm going to check and see if my notes still make sense. And if I can translate it for you, I think you might enjoy this. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of most of the speech that I had made. And the bottom line of this speech is that, number one, I started out by mentioning that, and I'll reiterate this for you guys, paper money in history has an average life of 27 years. The longest running paper money in history is the British pound. It's been around since the 1600s. The problem is an original British pound, and the reason it was called a pound, it was measured in 12 troy ounces of silver. That's why it's called a pound. It was equal to a pound of silver. Now, a British pound is worth, and I have to kind of do the math here, about one-thirteenth of an ounce of silver. So we've got about a 150 times decline in the real value of a pound. So the fact that somebody can argue, oh, wait, well, there's a paper money that's been around for almost 400 years. 
My counter argument to that is, yeah, it's been around for over 400 years, but it's worth one one hundred and fiftieth of what it was worth in the 1600s. So that was the start of my little thing, my little speech. The next part of the speech mentioned that when JFK was in office, he actually began printing notes that are called United States Notes. And if you ever see a note from 1963 with a red seal instead of a green seal, that's a United States note. It was not a Federal Reserve note. If you look in your wallet, your money with the green seal is called a Federal Reserve note. And they call it a note because it's actually a debt instrument. When those get printed, somebody owes somebody a dollar. That's the problem with Federal Reserve notes. So JFK introduced what's called United States notes that were actually backed by silver in a roundabout way. They weren't like silver certificates. So that was one thing that always, I always kind of thought that was strange because right after JFK died, number one, we had the complete escalation of the Vietnam War. Then I found out later that Lyndon Johnson's wife, Lady Bird's family, was the family that was supplying all of the gasoline for the Pacific Fleet. And that always made me wonder also because it was such a strange transition of Kennedy to Johnson, and then all of a sudden after Kennedy was uh, beginning to, or at least thinking, I believe he was thinking about getting rid of the, quote, advisors in Vietnam. Whenever you hear the government say we have advisors somewhere, I don't think that would be your advisor that we, you would think would might have be wearing a three-piece suit and carrying a briefcase full of paperwork. An advisor is probably a lot more militarily oriented than a than the advisor you would think of. But anyway, back to my speech. So what I'm trying to say is that paper money averages 27 years, and it's already been 47 years since our dollar was decoupled from gold in 1971 under Richard Nixon. That means that we are on a full-blown fiat money system, which fiat means let there be, like fiat lukes, let there be light. Well, this is fiat money, let there be money, and which means there's no backing of whatever money gets printed. Now, here's an interesting part of my speech notes. At the time I wrote this speech, the national debt was listed at $18 trillion. Well, now it's $21 trillion, so it's already gone up uh, one-sixth, which is 16 and two-thirds percent. The debt's already gone up another $3 trillion since I was writing about it a few years ago. And the problem is that $18 trillion, of which is now $21 trillion, that's $57,000 of debt per person in the United States. And the average family has $5,900 in the savings account. So right there, it tells you that our entire nation is completely a debtor nation. The other thing I mentioned in this speech was called the velocity of money. There is a calculation of the number of times a dollar gets used in a business transaction divided by the number of dollars in circulation. If you look at a chart today of velocity of money, it's at an all-time low. 
the velocity of money is lower than it was during the Great Depression. There's a lot of dollars being transacted. Yes, that's true. But remember, I said the velocity of money is a calculation and the denominator is the number of dollars that are around. I'm coming up on break number two here at the bottom of the hour. I will get back to this in a few minutes, but I want to mention that you should look up a chart of velocity of money. We'll come right back after this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll see you in just a moment. Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX. Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies, and rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, for a man age 45 non-tobacco user, it's $1 million of coverage and $75 per month level rate for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can obtain $500,000 of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110 per month, guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rate guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. If you're a smoker, we have great rates available for you as well. At Term Busters, we specialize in policies of $500,000 and above. If you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call today for a quote at 1-800-862-8376. That's 1-800-862-8376. You're probably paying more than you should. Call Term Busters at 1-800-862-8376 or visit our website at termbusters.net. Remember, 1-800-862-8376. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify just for a moment consider how much you pay each month for cable or satellite video rentals or for a movie in the theater each month or how about each year let's be honest how often do any of these really have positive messages now consider that we as a station bring you positive entertainment encouragement and ministry 24 7 what is that worth to you if every listener gave just a few dollars to our program our ministry would grow exponentially we would like to thank all of our listeners for financially supporting our teaching and talk program tell your friends about live radio kkxx AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you have a chance to spend part of your afternoon with me. I was in the process of discussing the velocity of money. And like I say, it's the number of dollar transactions divided by the number of dollars available to transact with. It's lower now than it was in the Great Depression. And you think, well, that's impossible. The country is so much bigger. The economy is so much busier and bigger. Yes, that's true. The top number of this fraction is a lot bigger than it used to be. The problem is the bottom number of this fraction is... How many dollars are around? That's our problem. 
They've printed so many trillions and trillions of dollars in the last, especially the last 10 years and really in the last 20 or 30 years that that has basically made the velocity of money very slow. And the reason that's not good is that if there's that many dollars around, why isn't there that much more business, that much more profit? Uh, Why is it that the average family is not getting ahead better than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago? And let's not even think about the 1950s when a single earning spouse could support a family, buy a house, buy a car, and put kids through college uh, without, you know, killing themselves as uh, versus today where the average wage will barely get you rent in a lot of areas. It'll hardly get you college educations unless your income's low enough where the government subsidizes it. Don't even talk about health care. The price of health care has gone through the roof. I'd like to make one comment about health care while I broach that subject. Here's what's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's just something you got to think about. There's one part of health care that has the prices have gone way, way down versus the rest of health care where the prices have gone way, 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 way up beyond astronomical. Here's what I want you to think about. The price of cosmetic surgery has gone down by large numbers, like tenfold or whatever. I don't know. I don't have the statistics in front of me. The price of cosmetic surgery has gone down, 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 down over the last, say, 30 years, 40 years. But the price of every other medical treatment or whatever is up, 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 up. Think about this. And I'm sure you've already got this running through your head. Why would that be? There's one simple answer. Insurance. If there is insurance to pay for everybody's medical, then what's to stop hospitals, doctors, and drug companies from doubling, tripling, whatever they do every year on their prices? Cosmetic surgery, non what do they call it? I don't know. There's a word for it, but it's cosmetic surgery. That surgery is still a medical procedure. It just isn't an insured medical procedure. The price of that has come down, down, down. It's, it's something that is doable, but people have to write a check for it. If you get my point of this topic, the fact that the insurance covers things is why medical is out of control. If a hospital visit was something you had to pay out of your pocket, you might, other than an emergency, you would probably shop for your hospital. But these days, they basically tell you where to go, and as long as your insurance covers it, what do you care if the doctor made $50,000 for his one-hour surgery for you or the hospital billed $30 for the Tylenol pill? So if you see what I'm saying It's the insurance half of the equation that caused medical care to go through the roof. And that is uh, my commentary on the medical side. So getting back to velocity of money. Well, one of the things that is uh, interesting, and I've mentioned this before, but I don't think anybody even has a clue to realize what a trillion really is. 
I've mentioned this before, but I'll go through it again real quickly. When we're talking a $21 trillion deficit, what my contention is it'll never be repaid. It's impossible to ever repay that kind of money unless you're paying in cheap, cheap, crummy, worthless dollars, which is my whole point of this money printing issue that I've been talking about. If you think about a trillion, it, you can't even fathom it. So I'm going to give you the physical description of a trillion, and we'll go from there. So if you had 1000 now they don't even print these anymore, but they used to print $1,000 bills. So instead of a $100 bill, that you could get, that, which is the largest one you can get now, it would be a $1,000 bill, and they used to print those back in the 20s. Could you imagine how much that would buy? That would be huge. So if you have a million dollars in $1,000 bills, that stack would be about four inches tall. So that would be a million dollars. Now a billion dollars in tightly stacked $1,000 bills, not end-to-end, but tightly stacked, a billion dollars in $1,000 bills would be about the length of a football field, including the end zones. So if you can picture a high school football field with the end zones, that laid out $1,000 bills on top of each other would be a billion dollars, billion with a B. Here's the problem we get into. One trillion is 1,000 billion. If you had a trillion dollars in $1,000 bills stacked tightly, laid in a big giant stack laid horizontally, they would stretch from approximately North Chico to South Redding. Well, you know what kind of drive that is when you're on that road to Redding? Some of those miles go by pretty slowly. That would be a trillion. Now, here's where it gets really really crazy. 21 trillion, and I haven't done the math lately with my Rand McNally mileage chart. 21 trillion at the time I calculated this, I think it was 18 trillion the time I calculated this, would be $1,000 bills stacked together tightly from Chico to El Paso, Texas. Can you imagine that? Do you know how far it is to drive to El Paso, Texas? If you could imagine driving for that many hours, hour after hour after hour, at 60 miles an hour, passing nothings but a tightly stacked stack of $1,000 bills, that is the monumental problem our $21 trillion deficit represents. That doesn't even count the fact that Deutsche Bank alone, which is the largest bank in Germany, I believe it's the largest bank in Europe, Deutsche Bank alone is exposed to something like $60 trillion of what's called derivative contracts. It's a fancy word for paper stuff flying around the world. $60 trillion of paper liabilities owned by one bank. So if anybody thinks 08 was a problem, wait till this next one hits, and I'm not certain when it's going to hit. I never would have guessed they could stretch this Ponzi scheme out for 10 years, which they've done. The bottom line is that 
printing money does not solve anything. And here's the real problem. There, you don't see, you and I don't see this money. This money has gone to banks. It's gone to businesses that buy back their own stock. Companies have been borrowing money for next to nothing with next to zero interest for the last 10 years and buying back all of their shares. That's why these stock market prices are so high. This is not you and me calling, and I've mentioned this before, this isn't you and I calling our broker and saying, oh, I want to buy 100 shares of GM today. That's not what's causing this stock market. What's causing this stock market is free money to the wealthy and to the banks. That's why you and I don't see all this extra money in our bank account, but somebody is seeing it in theirs. So before the last break, I have a special treat for you after the last break. In the last segment, I'm going to share part of my favorite book with you today. But in the last couple minutes of this segment, I did want to talk about another article by Egon von Greyers, my favorite, my favorite financial commentator. You'll never hear him on CNBC, put it that way. You'll never hear him on CNN Business. But uh, you will hear him on Business Buzz. So uh, what he starts off with is uh, the title of this is Italy, Hyperinflation, and Gold. And he starts off by saying the European Central Bank just had its 20th birthday, but there is really nothing to celebrate. The EU, which is the European Union, is in a total mess, and the euro, which was launched on January 1st, 1999, is a failed currency. Every president of the ECB has had to deal with fires that had very little to do with price stability, but were more a question of survival. Then he goes on to say, the only mandate of the ECB was, is to maintain price stability. Well, that clearly has been a very costly exercise. Between 2006 and 2011, the European Central Bank balance sheet tripled from 1 trillion euro to 3 trillion euro. But the crisis didn't finish in 2011. After a brief reduction in debt, the balance sheet expanded fast, from 2.3 trillion in 2014 to 4 trillion euros today. It is quite remarkable to watch the creation of a supranational bank which automatically creates a purpose for its own existence in the form of massive money printing. There is n- this is no better than burning money and serves no purpose whatsoever. And it is, of course, far distant from its purpose of price stability. Money printing creates high inflation and eventually hyperinflation. The only reason why we haven't seen high conventional inflation in the European Union is that all the printed money, just like in the U.S., has stayed with the banks. The result has been low inflation in consumer products, but huge asset inflation. But then it says here, but as the velocity of money increases, so will inflation. This moment is not far away. The same will happen in the U.S. As velocity of money accelerates, U.S. inflation will pick up rapidly. So I just wanted to fill you in on that because even though the U.S. is printing money, so is everybody else, and it's not going to end well. This is Business Buzz. We're going up on our last break. Stay tuned. I'll be right back with you in a minute.
From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. Ireland's citizens overwhelmingly voted to repeal their nation's ban on abortions. Sadly, the national conscience has adopted the now popular but intensely flawed rationale that economic growth and material success belongs only to those societies that fully join the sexual revolution and cast aside the foundations of the sanctity of faith, of marriage, and now of life. The Prime Minister praised the reduction of the influence of the Church for a greater alignment with Europe. Will Pacific Justice Institute sees this as a tragic sign of the times we live in. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Taking care of business, that's what we do on Business Buzz. You and I together, taking care of business. That was a huge hit. I remember hearing about one artist who has one big hit from the 80s, and he's kind of still kind of semi-famous. He does a radio DJ show that's syndicated across the country like Saturday Night's. But the interesting thing I remember him saying is that he's made his entire life's wealth on one song, which I thought was kind of interesting. So it doesn't take 30 hits to be uh, for those songwriters to be wealthy. It only takes one. So I reserved the last portion of the show today for sharing with you my favorite book. And I'm sort of trying to be a little bit of a teacher, not really teaching you anything, but guiding you along a little bit. Since Business Buzz, I, I bring up a lot of topics that I do repeat a lot because I think they're important enough to want to stress that you should learn about. What I would like to do right now before I start in with my favorite book is tell you a few names if you want to jot these down that if you follow some of these commentators that I listen to for my news and my business news, and some political news, and money news, I think you could benefit by listening to these people. It's where I get a lot of my information. It's also where I get a lot of leads. In other words, they might mention something that I wasn't aware of, and that gives me enough information by listening to their broadcast that I can then go do my own research and learn something that I might be interested in. And that's where I'd like to be with you, with you today. I would like you to jot down a few names of people that I listen to, and then you can go ahead and get some education seven days a week. I do a lot of YouTube listening. I enjoy that uh, 
as far as being able to listen and learn while I'm, say, enjoying the nice weather in my backyard, if I'm all alone, I turn on a YouTube and listen to some education. I also get a lot of how-tos. I'm an amateur photography buff. I get a lot of how-tos on YouTube. It's a fun place to go. I can learn about oh, tips for, you know, how to play tennis better, things like that. So I want to give you a few names if you want to jot these down that you might want to listen to and you can be educated. You can educate yourself because everybody's responsible for learning some of these things. And to go along in life with only listening to three networks plus CNBC and uh, CNN Business News, it's just not the way to go. So the one name I'll throw out first is Greg Manorino, M-A-N-N. A-R-I-N-O, Manorino. He's on YouTube. He does two little short five-minute segments every day, and he covers the market. He's very entertaining and very smart. And he also has a free website where he'll tell you what trades he's doing. And if you want to follow his trades, he's a pretty successful trader. Of course, he can never guarantee you're going to make money. Nobody can. But I would say Greg Manorino would be a good guy to listen to if you want to learn more. Another place that I like to go for political news and some business news is called X22 Report. So you just type in X22 Report on YouTube and they do two a day. Uh, They're a little longer. So they're about 15 minutes long, but they give you a lot of good insight into like what's going on politically. I enjoy them. The other one, which was my main news feed, in other words, When I get up in the morning and I have a few minutes, like I used to read the newspaper, I used to buy a San Francisco Chronicle every day and sit at the cozy diner and read the whole paper. I don't do that anymore, but I do get a news feed every day. And the site that I use the most is called zerohedge.com. Z-E-R-O-H-E-D-G-E.com. And Zero Hedge just has a lot of good articles. They probably have 10 articles a day. If there's something going on, like uh, I remember things like the Las Vegas shooting, if you want updates on breaking news, they usually have those too. But they have a lot of political commentary, a lot of business commentary, a lot of investment commentary. I get a lot of good news off of Zero Hedge. And it's interesting, some of the things that I've learned from Zero Hedge, I've talked to other people and I feel like I'm the first person to know about certain things that end up being in the news. One of the things that came up on Zero Hedge that nobody else had even heard about was this Inspector General report that we're still waiting to have uh, come out, and it has to do with congressional oversight and things going on with the Department of Justice and all that trouble. So the IG report, the first place I heard about that was because I read Zero Hedge every day. I think you should too. That's my tip on getting yourself educated. Make sure that you have the knowledge. Don't believe what I say. I may be full of it. I do the best I can. I do. I know what I believe, but I'm not always right. I don't have all the facts all the time. I don't have time to research everything. So you need to, what they say in the financial world is, do your own due diligence. That's what I recommend. And the reason I give you names and places to read and things you might look into is that I know that you'll be better educated if you read a little bit of what they would call alternative press, even though I wouldn't call it that far out of the park at all. It's, it's not that far out. 
My favorite book, and I talked about this a week or two ago, is uh, Course in Miracles. And I want to remind you, first off, that when you try to learn this, or if you're interested in hearing it uh, or learning a little more about it, it helped me a lot when I finally found out some good learning definitions about this course. And the main definition that helps when you're first reading this course is And they call it a course. It's a big book. It's very entertaining. And then there's a workbook with 365 exercises. And that's sort of like doing the course. The main thing is, is that a miracle is a correction. And it's just a correction in the way you're thinking. It's not a correction in your behavior. It's not a correction in, you know, where you go to work. It's a correction in your mind. And you do it yourself. It doesn't require more than one person. And what I've told you before is the simple correction is you step back and observe your thoughts so that your thoughts aren't running your life every minute of the day. So the basis of the course is you have a right mind and a wrong mind. And so that's where I was leading you the last time I read some of this. So I've got a few minutes here right at the end of the show. I'm glad you had time to spend with me today. I'm going to read a little bit from the part, uh, chapter one, part three, called Atonement and Miracles. I had left off around that place the last time, but I'm just going to read a few paragraphs here, and I think you'll find it entertaining, and if it strikes a chord with you like it did with me, it might send you on a journey of study like I've had, where every day I read or listen to it for the last 10 years, and it never gets old. So I'm going to read a little bit here just for the last few minutes, and hopefully you'll at least find it interesting. You respond to what you perceive, and as you perceive, so shall you behave. The golden rule asks you to do unto others as you would have, have them do unto you. This means that the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive correctly. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of one family, as you perceive both, so you will do to both. You should look out from the perception of your own holiness to the holiness of others. Miracles arise from a mind that is ready for them. By being united, this mind goes out to everyone, even without the awareness of the miracle worker himself. The impersonal nature of miracles is because the atonement itself is one, uniting all creations within their creator. As an expression of what you truly are, the miracle places the mind in a state of grace. The mind then naturally welcomes the host within and the stranger without. When you bring in the stranger, he becomes your brother. I'll pause there because that's what I'm trying to explain to you. The miracle is a correction, and it's simply a correction in the way you use your mind. And when it places the mind in a state of grace, it's placing the mind in that place where you're observing your regular mind's thoughts. And that's what we call the right mind. I'm going to continue. That the miracle may have effects on your brothers that you may not recognize is not your concern. The miracle will always bless you. Miracles you are not asked to perform have not lost their value. They are still expressions of your own state of grace, 
but the action aspect of the miracle should be controlled by me because of my complete awareness of the whole plan. The impersonal nature of miracle-mindedness ensures your grace, but only I am in a position to know where they can be bestowed. I'm going to pause there a minute also. I am not a world's expert on this course, but I will tell you how I interpret that. What that means is that you don't have to be concerned when you get into that right mind and you're greeting somebody, maybe somebody you're just meeting for the first time, the whole idea of this book is you make this time with this person a holy instant, and when you realize that when he says we're all brothers and we're equal, what he means is that you're looking at a reflection of your own mind. So that when you greet this person, maybe for the first time, you're not coming from the thinking mind where you're thinking, oh, what business do I need to do with this guy today, blah, blah, blah. You're coming from that right mind where you're just sitting back observing the thoughts and realizing that you are looking at your own thoughts when you're talking to somebody. And that's why he says that the miracle may have effects on your brothers that you may not recognize is not your concern. It'll bless you. What that means is that you can't do this in your mind and then sit there and if he, if the guy doesn't smile at you within 10 seconds, you must have failed in some way. What it means is that not everyone's ready to accept these miracles. Not everyone's ready in your mind to accept these, cre- these corrections. So it's not your thing to worry about the effect of the miracle you just performed. It's up to the Holy Spirit to decide where they go. I'm going to continue. Miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed towards those who can use them for themselves. Since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others, a strong chain of atonement is welded. However, this selectivity takes no account of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size exists on a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would not be useful if it were bound by laws that govern the error it aims to correct. Now, I'm going to just pause there because that that paragraph has so much in it. It's incredible. This book is just packed with paragraphs like that. I'm going to kind of review that just a little bit, and I'm going to tell you my interpretation of that, and I'm not the world's expert on this thing. A strong chain of atonement is welded. See, the whole goal of this course is that if everybody started thinking with the right mind, that would be the atonement. And the con- when he says the concept of size exists on a plane that is itself unreal, since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would not be useful if it were bound by laws that govern the air it aims to correct. Okay, so what that's saying is that these miracles are not of this world. And when you go to that other place in your mind where you're observing your thoughts, you're actually going to the right mind and the entire course is based on the fact that there's a real world that we don't see with our physical eyes and there's the physical world that we do perceive. So when it says that uh, it would not be useful if it were bound by laws, if you could physically see some you know, wave going out from your brain to your neighbor's brain when you're talking to them, that's trying to place the miracle into the physical world. It doesn't go there. That's not where the correction takes place. 
Another part of the course that I wanted to mention, and it's not in this particular section, it's a quote from the course, and it says, if this were the real world, God would be cruel. Because the course talks about the fact that this world is you and me running through all these obstacles, making enough money to buy food, put food on the table, uh, having enough money to rent a house so we have shelter from the sun that would burn us or the snow that would freeze us. This entire world is like running a big obstacle course where every day you're not sure you're going to be alive at the end of the day. You pray that you wake up in the morning. Think about it. Like the Course says, if this were the real world, God would be cruel. So what you have to realize is that the real world is not something you can even see, but the idea is to be in that right mind so that you're realizing that 